This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. To another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, I am your regular host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my usual co host with me today. I've recently discovered that I didn't even know your name, man, and I thought we were close. It's Wyatt Ivanowski. How you doing? Oh, man. Doing good. Big facts. Yeah, although... All right, so let me break this down. My name is Richard. Richard Wyatt Ivanowski. Man, I could be fully doxxed at this point. I am just open to attack, but... (laughs) Richard is my first name, legally speaking. It's on all my documents and all that stuff. So whenever I do anything in like a professional or academic setting, it's just there and I just roll with it. But my family, like from a young age, just decided to call me by my middle name. And I just roll. I'll just roll with whatever. You can just call me whatever. Rich, Richie, Richard, Wyatt, whatever. I'll I'll roll with it. I'm not too picky. Okay. Okay. I don't know how much I can believe you at anything at this point, but we'll go with it. Sure. Sure. Everything's a competition with you, man. (laughs) Just trying to make it fun, man. It's enjoyable for me. How many how many people said they preferred me that you edited out of that last episode? Be honest. None, to be honest. I know that there were a lot less people that I asked the question, but it was kind of an awkward question, so I had to make sure I was comfortable asking it to people. So I well, of course asked they're you gonna, a few. Of course they're gonna say you. You're you're right there. Dude, that was the point. I was supposed to have an entire clip of people saying they preferred me over you. And the first two people I text you right after it happened, actually. The first two people both picked you. And I was so upset. I wanted to stop doing it, but I had to keep it going. Well, you're a Celtics fan, so... It's true. And the first person was because of my Austin Rivers take, so I couldn't hate on either one of those. But uh, you uh, you guys got our pick. Thankfully, not a great one. This is true. But the rest of the lottery, starting at that number 10, really shook up. The Lakers were supposed to be that 10 pick. And not seeing them there instantly meant that they were moved into the top four. And I was terrified. Yeah, this lotto night was really quiet from a Kings perspective rolling into it. I think even a lot of Kings fans didn't even know that it was lotto night until uh, until today or this weekend. Snuck up on us, as it will do when you don't own a first round pick. But it got turbulent yeah i feel like it was just the new lottery odds really coming into play here and there was so much talk 
really today, because of course, you know, number one pick is going to be Zion. I don't think there's debate to that. Even if the Suns are joking around saying they're going to take John Morant, it's ridiculous. First pick is going to be Zion. And there's talk of if the Knicks get it, would they trade the number one pick for Anthony Davis? Would anybody else do that? And the number one pick goes to the team that currently has Anthony Davis in the New Orleans Pelicans, only a 6% chance to do so. And this was just one of the craziest ways that this all could have panned out. Yeah, absolutely. The odds were flattened out a little bit uh, with an update to the lottery process. It's the first year of these new odds. And yeah, you mentioned the Pelicans only had 6% chance, but then again, no one had more than a 14% chance at number one. So I didn't know how much of a difference these odds, these new odds were going to make. And, you know, it turns out to be a pretty big deal, it, it seems like. Yeah, so the four teams that had that 14% chance were the Knicks, the Suns, the Bulls, and the Hawks. And all of them except the Knicks are outside of the top five. Oh, I'm sorry. The Bulls were not part of that. It was the Cavs, the Suns, the Hawks, and the Knicks. And the Cavs are sitting at five, but the Suns are six, and the Hawks dropped to eight? Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was wild. I I think that I only – okay, so looking at the lottery uh, on the whole, it only even really occurred to me today that, man, like the Kings should actually really move up. And, and like a, there was a 4.8 percent chance the kings could move up into the top four and that is just a whole lot higher than it used to be for the 14th pick and i actually began to get nervous in the last half an hour before uh it was announced i was like man what if this actually happens got got real sweaty and and i was like man what if what if the kings traded away zion thankfully didn't happen but then yeah of course the lakers their name isn't called I mean, what was, what was going through your head at that point? I got a call inst- once I didn't see the Lakers at 10 because I actually didn't have the order fully memorized probably in that like 9 to 14 mark after knowing the Celtics were 14 and I pulled it up on my phone and saw the Lakers were 10 and the next pick was 10. I was like, okay, please, please, please. This is one of the main things I care about. And then it pulls the Timberwolves and I instantly get a phone call from a Laker uh, fan friend of mine just freaking out. And I'm doing the same thing. And I know you and me kind of talked a little bit about this. We both were like, oh, my God, is this actually rigged? Zion is going to the Lakers. It's rigged. Yeah, I had already was ready to fire off that tweet about how rigged the NBA was. Well, that was as salty as I was ready to be. Um yeah, and then I, I I felt a tremendous amount of relief when they were the first oh. team called off in the in the top four. Yeah, goodness, but yeah, I mean, so the Pels, it feels like karma is coming back around to give them a little bit of good fortune. Uh, I don't know, I don't know how you felt about the Anthony Davis situation. If you felt like. They were getting a raw deal there. It certainly feel, certainly seems understandable that, that they would, but I felt very good for Pelicans fans. Yeah, did you happen to catch the video of their tickets, ticket office all celebrating? No. Oh my God, it was amazing. You have to look this up once we're done. They were just going so crazy, and it, it just made me smile so much to see this entire office freaking out 
And then also, of course, for some reason, like all over social media and just everywhere, everyone was for some reason thinking that the Knicks were going to win this when in realistic, they had an 86% chance of not getting that number one pick. So there was also the video of, you know, the Knicks bars and watching parties all just pissed off for not getting the pick, but it was amazing. I mean, I'm happy that this is coming back to the Pelicans and this changes a lot with the AD trade talks. It does and it doesn't. It does and it doesn't. I My immediate response was that this is further confirmation that AD is on his way out. I put that out there on Twitter and you came back saying that you think that it's a better chance that he stays. Let's, let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. So my thought process is, you know, David Griff, David Griffin, right? Is it Griffin or Griffith? I believe it's Griffin. Okay. I thought so. And you could tell how confident I was, right? (laughs) Um, So he, when he came in as the GM not too long ago, he was trying to convince AD to stay. And to me, you know, AD did what he did. There was this Rich Paul situation. He didn't handle things the right way, obviously. Um, a lot of that, I do blame his agent. I heard that he wasn't very happy with Rich Paul and the way that that went. But, you know, this happens at times. And I think that now the Pelicans actually have a pitch on why they could try to tell AD, hey, we have something around you. If you keep Julius Randle and you have Julius Randle, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson, that team is very likely to be in that playoff mix I would say pretty confidently, even though the West is crazy with the level of talent that AD is, Zion's going to be contributing right away. I think that they actually have a pitch now when they didn't before. So the playoff mix is a pretty vague term, but I, I mean, you know, I guess that would you consider them being in the playoff mix this year? Uh, I know it trailed off pretty hard near the end when they were starting just whoever. I think that if Davis was playing the whole year, I think they would have been. Yeah, if he was actually motivated in playing. Okay, so there's two sides to that coin because if they were in the playoff mix already and he requested a trade, then why would them being the playoff mix want him to stay? That's one side of it. So I don't, if that's, if it doesn't change that much, then I don't really, I don't really understand it. And I also don't think that, listen, we, I get that Zion is a special talent. I definitely get that. I am not an expert with prospects coming out of the draft. That is not my forte. I do not watch a ton of college ball. But assuming that he's the greatest prospect in years, maybe since Anthony Davis himself, uh, I don't. I still don't am not convinced that many rookies come in and have like an amazingly positive impact on the league. It does happen from time to time, but generally it takes a year or two until they're like really changing playoff fortunes. I just think that there wasn't a path to improvement before that the only way that this team was going to get better was on the shoulders of Anthony Davis. And I still think that's what the number one option is going to be, but you have a a path to be improving with what Zion is. So that may be true, but it's also a little bit redundant as far as, Julius Randle, you know, it, maybe he was going to be gone anyway, but 
feels like you can't really play Randall and Davis and Zion together. Maybe you can. Maybe that's, you know, maybe I'm short-sighted there. No, I understand that. And then, the you know, Miritich also is a big guy. So, I, I well, anyway, I, I, I can get into the positional stuff, but I was coming at it, at it more from like a narrative sense where uh, Miritich are obviously being gone, so correct myself there. But uh, from a narrative standpoint, here's what I'm thinking is that Anthony Davis wanted out wanted to go to a big city, wanted to be in a different situation. And now for him to come back to the team in the same situation, in the same city, and be the second most popular guy on the team, which I think is a real possibility considering the amount of bridges that he burned in the process, I don't really see how that's more desirable, especially because you. I think you would agree that getting Zion doesn't make them like a top four seed in the West, right? Yeah, that's fair. So he's going to come back to New Orleans, be on the same team, mostly the same team. Yeah, I know there's been some moves made and a few more moves can be made. But to come back to the same team, I feel like with what you did to the fan base, probably going to be more Zion jerseys in the house than Anthony Davis jerseys pretty soon. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I understand the argument of starting over. But from the Pelican standpoint, if you have – if so I think of, you know, there was a time that Kobe Bryant wanted out of L.A. And he said these terrible things about the organization and about everything that was going on there. And that got mended. And Kobe's pro- debatably the most favored favorite Laker to that fan base. So I, I think that it is repairable that I think fans would be pretty quick to forgive if Anthony Davis is signing a max contract in the near future. But go ahead. So, uh, what do you know? What year that was that Kobe's trade talks peaked? Uh, I, I'm I'm not going to be able to nail it down exactly, but it was this was during like the Shaq years, was it not? Yes, I believe that it was. Yeah, 2007 trade request. Okay, so let me throw this out there. Oh, guess who was drafted in 2007 is Kevin Durant. So say say Kobe Bryant went out there and said he wanted out, and then after he said that and he was firm about that, the Lakers won the lottery and could take Kevin Durant. You don't think that that would make it more complicated coming for him to come back into the mix? I think I think that it could. Yeah, I understand that. And then here's here's my other point is that the Lakers moving up. Strengthen, strengthens the ability for the Pelicans to trade him for more because all those guys, all those young guys from the Lakers are on the table. Now that pick is another nice piece. You can have Lonzo Ball. You can have Josh Hart. You can have Kyle Kuzma. You can have Brendan Ingram. You can have, uh, you know, take Mo Wagner if you want. Take them all and take yeah. no, the number four pick. Now, if you ever need to rebuild, if there was ever a perfect time to restart a franchise, it's with Zion, uh, you know, whoever, Culver, uh, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, boom, yeah. boom, 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 on down the line. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. That Laker moving up really makes that probably the best package, I would think. Are you currently paying off student debt, interested in improving your financial literacy, or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? 
Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. I was mainly thinking about the Pelican situation from their management point of view of would you rather have that lineup or if hypothetically Anthony Davis agreed that he was going to sign a max contract when he's up after this year, would you rather have that talent that's still only 26 and Zion to work with Andrew Holiday's all-star level guy? And I really felt like their team was decent last year. I agree that they were a decent team went at full strength and I think that you know I actually had picked them to make the playoffs again obviously they had a really excellent first round against Portland uh, in last year's playoffs so it's not like they can't do something but as far as truly competing that's really off the table I think that we saw the best version of them that they can be when they beat Portland and you know and then they ran up against the Warriors so yeah you know, that was a wake-up call. Do you think that Anthony Davis could be a number one option on a championship team? I think it's possible, but then again, in this world, you kind of need multiple guys that can be a number one option on a championship, okay. cha- cha- excuse me, championship team, and you need them to be at that moment in their careers at the same time. That's fair. So like a 1A, 1B type thing. Yeah, like a Steph Durant. Or like a LeBron, Kyrie. I mean, so, unfortunately, that's just yeah. the way it's been, right? Yeah. So absolute crazy situation that I saw thrown in that – anyways, I'm just going to throw this at you. You know, it's Dan Gilbert. He was with LeBron. What if they're decided, you know, let's swap Zion for LeBron. Let's bring LeBron to the Pelicans with AD. I mean, I don't think it makes sense for the Pelicans. You know, I don't think it's great. But what if they're desperate? It is Dan Gilbert. There's talks of the Pelicans not putting any asses in seats, potentially being the team that goes to Seattle. They like, is there a chance of desperation there? Man, I mean, no, (laughs) but I don't, I, it's interesting because I think that I think that it, I mean, I think that it's interesting because I think that Zion, I want Zion to be with the Lakers young core in a weird way. I just don't want it to be in LA. Agreed. Um, it's, I want Zion to be around young guys. Like, I, I honestly think it's unfair to be like, all right, we're going to, you need to, we're, we're so into you, but you need to win this moment. Like, you need to win immediately. That feels like an unfair, you know, if he's really the next LeBron, like, chill out. Like, you know, yeah. If he's really going to be have that kind of an impact, you need to surround him with guys that can be complimentary or, you know, guys that are at least going to fit the same time frame as him. So if if that trade makes sense, I feel like it also makes sense the reverse direction because, I mean, frankly, I don't know what sells more tickets in New Orleans. Is it LeBron and Anthony Davis or is it zion and a crew of young college stars yeah that's fair and then you can always you know i think that drew 
keeping Holiday around as like the the vet, the older guy, the guy there to play hard defense and teach the guys, you know, a little bit about the ropes. I think that's a great one. Or, you know, you could always move him as well and for what you can. And it wouldn't shock me if they just get like, you know, a basically a, a an all-star, you know, like if you were to select a under 25 all-star team, just basically that's what the Pelicans could have. And if that doesn't bring people to the stadium, I, I don't, I don't know what will. Yeah. If that does it, then they should go to Seattle. But yeah, no, I agree with you. And like you talked about, you want Zion around young guys. I really want Drew Holiday around a team he can actually compete with. Like, I, I think that this is a great player. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's not a playmaker. He weirdly has developed into a two guard almost in a way. But I would like to see Drew moved. But I think from the Pelicans point of view, I could see him staying there. But it, looking at other Zion packages, I mean, the Knicks were a big one there. And they fell to that three pick. And, I mean, what about this crazy situation of teaming up the college the college guys that did great on a team together of R.J. Barrett together on the Pelicans? And then you're also throwing, say, Kevin Knox, and you probably are having to include Mitchell Robinson since you're not having as great of a pick sitting at number three compared to what they thought be what they thought they could be with number one. And maybe Dennis Smith Jr., Frank Nielakina as a toss in, even though he's fell off, obviously. I mean, do you think, do you think the Knicks have a chance in a package? I, I just read an article on the athletic cover for the Knicks saying that he felt like the Knicks were out of the sweep t- sweepstakes for trading for AD at this point. I think that I probably agree with that. The, the stuff that you're putting out there doesn't interest me much. Um, yeah. at least compared to, the number four pick and a yeah. couple of recent number two picks and they could always throw in future first. And, you know, I think with the Knicks, the best thing that they would have to offer is the two first round Mavericks picks. You could toss them yeah. in the mix, uh, with some first picks, first round picks of their own. However, they didn't get them fully unprotected, right? I think may- maybe one of them is, but there's a set of protections on those picks that if the Mavericks, uh, were if if they were to if they were to have won uh or moved up to the top four in this draft they would have been pushed back a year and if they're if they end up tanking or end up doing well in lotteries uh going forward those picks could be protected for a while and they could be put off but so i don't know i i feel like they're kind of out of it as well i don't know that their picks are attractive enough and then the the mavericks pick also have the upside or downside however you look at it of the mavericks could just put it all together uh with luca and porzingis and then suddenly those picks are you know yeah in the teens somewhere and it's like well i don't even know if this i don't know if this ever come home to roost so i, I do feel like the knicks are kind of out of it okay so then that puts the laker one higher and you're saying the Laker package, number four, Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma. Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, and yeah, I mean, I think that there is also some value in some of the peripheral guys, but that's yeah. that's the that's the main point. Yeah, absolutely. So then the Boston offer, which is the other team that's obviously thrown in there, um, from what I've seen, and I figured out how the salary works and everything, would be one of Tatum or Brown which obviously you're going to prefer Tatum there. I would it's like. it's already over. If you're not doing both, it's uh, the Lakers, the Lakers package. Really? 
In yeah. Okay. So Tatum's smart. Yabusele just fills money. You're getting the number fourteen. Pick <laughs> you just brought Yabusele into this. Hey, you have to for the money. You can, yeah. But we didn't even mention like Bonga or Hart or Wagner. Uh, yeah. But I mean, this is this is the thing for me is that there's that Clipper pick this year. You know, fourteen is okay, but the Memphis pick was top eight in this year. They just moved to number two, so that does make this a little different. And I think Conley gets moved, but we'll get into that. Next year, it's top six protected. They likely are not that much better next year. And then the year after that, it's fully unprotected. So that Memphis pick could turn out really nice. You're bringing me Yabu and, and hypothetical future <laughs> first-rounders. You need to stop it. You you give up Tatum and Brown, or we're walking? Okay. And I, I just don't – for me, I – don't think Boston does that. And also from what I've seen thrown around, I don't think they do that. Knowing Danny Ainge being a little bit of playing hardball there. I, I think that with the whole situation that if you have to give up both of those and you're not really sure about how you feel about Kyrie Irving, I, I don't know if they throw both in there. I agree with you that they won't. I, I agree with you that they shouldn't. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think that I, I don't think that's going down because quite frankly, I mean, even if you're very low on Lonzo ball, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma, I mean, there are reasons to be low on them. Kuzma's a little bit older balls had the injury history and Ingram has this recent, yeah. recent injury. So there's reasons to be low, but the number four pick it right now is way better than anything that the Celtics have to offer as far as picks. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can sit there, sit there and say that, well, maybe the Memphis pick goes, you know, it'll go unprotected in 2021. Maybe you hit the number one overall pick there. Yeah. And but you know, the odds of, the package, of that. Yeah. And part of the package initially was, oh, this King's unprotected pick. And yeah, that absolutely. was supposed to be top three. And all of a sudden it's 14, you know? So I get what you're saying with that. These hypotheticals don't mean the same as this locked in four pick. But is it because the Lakers moved into that four pick? Or are those players initially say they did stay at 10? Does, do you think that Laker package is better? Uh, if they had stayed at 10, I think there could have been a great bidding war here. And maybe there still will be. But I think at the end, now the Lakers have a trump card that's, yeah. that ends the conversation. Because, and then again, I mean, if you're the Lakers and you have LeBron and you want to get him the superstar and you have the cap space to add, up to you know maybe a max guy maybe two if you finesse it right uh then it's 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 like they're going all in they'll give you all their future first rounders like they're going in to get lebron his guys so and the celtics are not starting to unprotect future first rounders like they're not doing that yeah agreed so uh, i'm on board with you though i do think that ad is going to end up in la yeah i i i I think so too and i think that the so the Celtics are I think that okay as a Celtics fan are you beginning to grow worried I know we're getting away from King stuff we're a little bit away from it now it, to be honest they weren't a big part of tonight outside of dodging a potential massive bullet uh, we can tie them in a little bit more in a second but you are a self-proclaimed Celtics slash Kings fan so you got a little bit of both uh, what is up with your Celtics half right now um, I'm kind of happy because I don't want, I, I, 
Kyrie just doesn't feel like a player that I've been enjoying watching. I have turned off way too many Celtics games this year. And honestly, part of it is because I've fallen for the Kings so hard that I enjoy watching that team. And I had way more fun watching every Kings game than watching half of these Celtics games. Like they just weren't enjoyable. And part of that was because it was Kyrie's team. And, you know, Terry Rozier went on an absolute tear today across all of these New York, you know, first take. He went on uh, the Max Kellerman show and all of these different talk shows talking bad kind of about the Celtics. But to me, it, it wasn't bad on him necessarily. I think that he was just stating the obvious that everyone kind of already knew. Um, he might have heard his value a little bit, but he came out and said that pretty much this is Kyrie's team obviously, and they were just going around what Kyrie's style is, and I didn't enjoy it. And to me, I'm not upset if we're moving forward with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and you also have some okay other pieces in there, you know? I mean, Robert Williams looks halfway decent, and you're going to have this 14 pick. We have those other future picks we kind of talked about a little bit, so I'm not worried, but I would take us off because I previously feel like we were on the Milwaukee Toronto level. And then I feel like Philadelphia is right below that. And I would put us as, you know, if that's one, a one B Milwaukee, Toronto, and then three, three a is Philly. And then we'd be three B I'd say we're on a similar level with Philly there because I am really high on Tatum and Brown and, and Brad Stevens is a top five coach. Okay. It's interesting. I I don't know that I even am seeing them be on Philly's level on a on a talent and standpoint. I missed out on that one. If if Philly can keep Harris and Butler, I, I don't know that I don't know. I'm just I think that Kyrie, there's a real chance that he leaves. Terry is restricted, but sounds like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh I, I see this the chances of the Celtics getting AD obviously diminished tonight with the Lakers moving up. Gordon, the chances of Gordon becoming good enough to make his oh, contract. Not about Gordon. No, 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 no. Yeah, well, chances you of, see the guy. See, you this see guy's the, coming back. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Okay. It took Paul George a year and a half. Like it was, it was unfair to expect him to fully be back this season. I feel like. Uh. So it's been two years. No, and he had a surgery two months before the season started. Okay, so it's been two years since the injury. Almost, two, it's been two full seasons since the injury, and he's uh, quickly approaching thirty years old. I don't think that he bounces back to the point of being a max player. Uh, I mean, he's a one-time All Star. Okay, I don't know. Like, it, like this is. I'm not saying that he's a bad player. He's a very useful player. He can he can continue to get back. But to assume that he's going to ever – after 30 years old, after this major horrific injury, to assume that he's ever going to be back to a, the 26-year-old all-star that he was, I think that you're grasping at straws there. Maybe, but I don't need him to be a number one option. Like I feel like – you know, well, that's this, what you're paying him to be. This is true, but we have a little bit of time before we're throwing that max money at Tatum, who's going to be the number one option during that time, that, 
you know, like I'm, I'm extremely happy with the starting lineup of Smart, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford. You're extremely happy with the Boston Celtics minus Kyrie. Yeah, I, I really am. Okay. We, I, we, I don't remember if it was this podcast. It was probably the Celtics one, but during that Milwaukee series, it was absolutely insane that I was able to answer this way, but they were talking, you know, going into game four, would you be less confident in this team if they didn't have Kyrie Irving? And it was actually insane that I felt like, no, like I, it wouldn't make me less confident. Yeah. I, I think that you've got, you've got some interesting points. I don't, it's not a good thing if Kyrie goes, but I, I think it's, it'd be worse if they traded both Brown and Tatum. And, uh, because at that point you're really leveraging your future and, I don't think that Gordon and uh, one more year of AD and one more year of Horford, yeah, even if you have Kyrie for Max, which I'm not sure he would do, he might even go one and one at that point uh, with all those all those different players coming off the books shortly. So, and I also that's don't fully rule out Kyrie coming back. No, no, like no, no. This off season, not is, fully. Yeah, and I feel like you know he was a bad leader for sure. But it was even worse to start the year, and we saw him progress and get better. And the guy's only 26, 27 maybe now. And to me, he this offseason and how he responds next year is what's going to really define Kyrie Irving in that way. He could come back and, uh, you know, the Celtics could hit on some more of their draft picks. Like, they could absolutely stay at the level they are uh, and get a little bit better over time as hopefully – from their perspective, some of the Eastern teams fall away. Maybe the Bucks can't keep everybody around. Maybe Kyrie leaves Toronto. Maybe Butler or Harris leaves uh, Philly. So, I mean, it's it's possible. I just, uh, you know, yeah. I think the wind has been taken out of this shows a little bit. But that's enough. Has. That's enough Boston talk. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app PodCoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as, as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one pod coin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half pod coins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can learn, earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards, and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Do we want to talk about any, any of these other lottery results here yeah. in general? So one one kind of a interesting thing with this Lakers situation, which I don't see them doing, but news came out today that if the Bulls were to fall in between number three and number six, that they would look to trade that pick for Lonzo Ball. Do you see that being a possibility? Because that would mean that that three to six pick would likely be 
packaged in that AD deal. So I guess the question is, what's more valuable, Lonzo Ball or three to six in this draft? Or because they're sitting at not three to six, sorry, they're sitting at seven. So it's not even three to six. But what's more valuable, Lonzo Ball or the number seven pick in this draft? I, I feel like it's probably safe to say Lonzo, right? Man, that, I totally missed this. What is the what's the the whole story here is that if the Bulls were to land between three and six draft that if they would have landed between three and six that they specifically said Lonzo Lonzo yep wow well I mean maybe this plays into the AD thing because uh, if you're offering the Pelicans four and seven and Ingram and Kuzma I mean, you you ask the Pelicans how they feel about Lonzo, I guess, which I'm sure they know by this point. I guess you tell them it, you pick between Lonzo and seven, and we'll do what we need to do. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, that's I mean, a weird teams that have really liked Lonzo. You know, the Suns almost tried to trade for him at one point. Oh, I get it. I yeah, mean, th- there's a lot to like with Lonzo, but at the same time, the Bulls feel like a weird team to like Lonzo because they've got. You know, I'm not saying that Chris Dunn is super, you know, Lonzo-esque, but he is a defensive, primarily a defensive point guard who struggles with shooting. Like, there's some similarities there that are. It's interesting to me that the Bulls would say we specifically want Lonzo. That that blows me away a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that you know, Chris Dunn is good. I I don't I shouldn't say that. I don't think Chris Dunn's that great. And I think that he has his really good defensive potential, but there's nothing on the other side. When to me, Lonzo's an amazing playmaker in that way. And the shot sure. seems to come around a little bit. Um, and that's just their glaring hole. You know, they, they like what they have in Zach Levine at the two, which also is kind of interesting with the Lonzo fit because they see Levine bring the ball up a little bit at times. And I don't feel like Lonzo can play off ball. But then they have Otto Porter to fill that three, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr. So the hole really is just that point guard, and it's someone that fits their time frame. Man, the Bulls are weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a really low brow take, but I, I mean, if I'm the Suns, <laughs> I'm saying, hey, I'll throw you the number six pick for Lonzo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if that's on the table, I think that's a great fit with uh, with Booker. I think that – I mean, obviously, it beats out the number seven pick, so I, I don't see why not. Uh, as long as he's willing to play there, you know what I mean? I, it sounds like he would make it known if he wasn't willing to play there, but that seems like a natural fit to me. Um, interestingly, on the Suns, you want to talk about a little bit about Josh Jackson? Yes. So, obviously, the news recently was that he got arrested. He was at Rolling Loud, a music festival in uh, – where was it? Was it Miami? believe it was Miami, yeah. Yeah, and I believe the story was that he wanted to get him VIP and then wasn't able to, and I don't understand how it fully folded out, but then he was somehow running from security, ended up getting arrested. So he didn't necessarily do anything tra- terrible, but getting arrested obviously is not a good look. And he had already said when the coaching change happened that, you know, went on Instagram saying, what is it, his third or fourth coach in three seasons. So it seemed like this guy's on his way out. And I've always liked Josh Jackson. I mean, the Celtics had that pick. And actually, you know, Josh Jackson's character has been a question here. He refused to work out with the Celtics during that draft when the Celtics had the three pick. And he went four to the Suns 
But refusing to work out for a team is not a great look. And I don't understand not really wanting to go to Boston necessarily. I'm obviously a homer. Maybe it was just after the IT thing. He didn't like how that was dealt with. But I've always liked him as a player because I like those hustle guys. This is kind of why I've had a little bit of my awesome rivers love there. But this guy really hustles, you know, and he plays his ass off. I think he's a great defender, but the shooting is horrific. I was just going to say, if (laughs) it. It's the same type of thing as Rivers almost. It's the same type of thing where, like, there are some guys that I'm like, man, no one is going to want this dude. And they're just like, I'll tell you what, this is a guy I've always liked. (laughs) If anyone could defend, if anyone will defend someone with a 48, a a true shooting percentage of 48, it's it's you, Brendan. I say that with great admiration and and, uh, love and kindness. 26% from deep to 32. If we keep this rate, he will be elite. <laughs> I no, uh, listen. Okay. It, yeah. I, I get it. Like to a degree where like you see the tools there, you see the length. Like this is a guy that yeah. if the Kings hadn't uh, been able to land Barnes, I would be very interested in is just as far as like the role that he could fill. Well, he's 21. And my thing is that he's dirt cheap. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. I will say this is interesting. Um, I should have reached out to them first, so I won't, I won't name them right now, but, uh, I'll double check and I can put it out in a tweet. But a, uh, beat writer for the Suns reached out to me and literally just started probing about Bogey and said, and asked me if, if, if I thought that he'd be available for Josh Jackson. Well, this is interesting. So we, our next player breakouts were shooting guards. So I was just getting into bogey a lot here. And a big question I had for him was, do you feel like, so uh, he's not a transition player. Like all the stats were really against that. And you can kind of see that. I feel like, um, I don't know if you agree with that. Do you feel like he, but we do need half court offense and bogey is kind of what that is in a way he's able to create. Do you feel like he fits this Kings team? He's also 26. Um, when you say he's also 26, are oh, you talking about bogey? Yeah, bogey. Do I feel like the question is, do I feel like bogey fits the Kings team yeah. or do I feel like Josh Jackson no, does? Bogey. So there's two ways to look at this. And one of them is to say that the Kings have a singular identity and that everyone must fit into that identity. And that identity is speed and youth and transition game and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I actually see an attraction. I can see an attraction to Josh Jackson for that reason, that he fits the primary identity of the team. Um, but like you said, you need guys that have <clears throat> half court offense too. And there's a theory that goes with backup units that if your backup unit is significantly worse than your starting unit, you would prefer they play slowly. Because you want the possessions, uh, the total number of possessions played with that unit to be less, uh, specifically more for the other team. Like your, your defensive pace, you want that to be slower. So if Bogey can come in here and dribble off 20 seconds of clock, like we often are so frustrated over, uh, with him for, it's actually not the worst thing in the world if we do a decent job at staying even. Uh, on a points per, per possession basis because it gives the time for Fox 
and Buddy and Bagley to recharge the batteries a little bit on the bench. And we're not, um, you know, just siphoning away point. Like we're not just like bleeding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I can see a scenario where if Josh Jackson's coming off the bench, leading a second unit, we are bleeding points. Hundred yeah, percent. I'm not having him lead it, lead any unit. Right. So th- those are the two ways to look at it. So I, you know, I think you can make an argument for either type of player. Yeah, Bogey doesn't fit the the identity, but also you need guys that go against it. So what interests me even more, though, of your hypothetical was also you threw DeAnthony Melton in there. And this guy's only 20 years old. We talked about him in the draft breakdown. I know Bryant was really high on him coming out of the draft. He was a great defender for Phoenix last year. He hit the three at a 30% rate. Obviously not good, but it's not terrible. His stroke looked nice. And we really need that backup point guard. And... Part of why I threw Bogey being 26 in there is that Josh Jackson's 21, DeAnthony Melton's 20. I mean, these fit our timeline better. Yeah, and I threw in Melton of my own accord because I was kind of cherry picking for what the Kings needed, and I was I felt like if I just said Bogey for Jackson that I would get smashed. Yeah, that's a no. Yeah, but at the same time, when I ran that past this uh the guy from the suns as well and he had mentioned that well if the if the suns get morant or garland yes they'd be willing to part with melton or a kobo probably but them falling maybe they get garland still yeah but or trade for lonzo like you said you know these are possibilities but if they had stayed at two and gotten gotten the second pick or, or whatever it was if they had ended up at two and gotten morant then it's like this is this trade is probably being offered. Talking of that number, or well, first closing out that trade. I mean, would you would you pull that trade from the Kings' point of view? Man, it is really tough, especially because Bogey is going to be having a payday coming up soon. Um, so it is it is really tough because you got Melton and Jackson under team control going forward, pretty reasonable numbers. They are way younger. There's certainly more upside, I think, if you look at both of those players. Melton would address a need. At the end of the day, though, I would have to say no because as someone so eloquently put it on Twitter, uh, I believe they said Bogdan Bogdanovich is good at basketball. Josh Jackson is less good at basketball. <laughs> and DeAnthony Melton is unlikely to be as good as either. And I was like, that, you know, that just checks out. Like, so I'll keep the best guy. This is true. You know what Bogey's going to be pretty much. I mean, I, he will get better, hopefully, but this guy's entering his prime. You know what Bogey's going to be. He was the best player on the team, not last year, but the year before. So I, it would make sense to keep him. And also you don't, it, it doesn't make that big of a difference that I also consider how it affects the chemistry here. And he's close friends with Buddy. Very, very close. They travel together, hang out together all the time that I probably wouldn't pull it, but if that offer's there, I really would consider. You know, staying on Bogey for a minute, uh, it's interesting because even though this guy brought him up uh, out of the blue to me, I think that the name that I've heard the most about possible trades is is Bogey. And I know some of the STR guys have thrown around Bogey's name as well for trades. And so, and, and I almost never hear anyone else's name. Like, you know, sure, there's like, 
your your peripheral guys. But as far as anyone approaching the core of this team, Bogey's thrown out there like way more frequently than anyone yeah. else. And what would it take to to pry him away from the Kings if you were in charge? It would really need to fill one of these holes we have, like that starting center is really the main one that I think of. Or if there's if there is a bench piece that's that's younger, he definitely needs to be younger than what Bogey is. That also fits our style really well, which I don't know who that is, but one that I would pull, and I'm curious to see what you think, is that and I, I don't think that Houston's overreacting and necessarily looking for this like people say they are. But Capella for Bogdanovich, because I've talked about how Willie Cauley-Stein could be what Capella is. We're a great rim protector, and he just runs the other big off the floor. I mean, would you would you consider Capella there for bogey? Hmm. I really hmm. like him. I like his rim protection. I think that, you know, what is he? He's only, I, I guess he is 24. He's turning 25, so he's not that much younger. But it, it fills that big hole. Man, yeah, I like. It, man, do you feel like I'm, if not even talking about Bogdanovich, but Capella is the perfect center for us, right? Well, I'm obviously considering it, so I'll just say yes, I'd consider it. So I'm like deep. You can even like yeah. hear me consider it. <laughs> you can hear the cogs. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I mean, so this is a tough time to ask about Capella because he. Did not yeah. do great in that playoff series. But then again, like how many centers are really going to show out against the Warriors? And yeah. and I don't know. I'm being unfair because he did. He's done a pretty good job against them in the past. So I, I when you say he's the perfect center for this team, I think he's the perfect outcome for a Willie Cauley-Stein-like player. But no, I think we've established that a perfect center for this team can shoot, right? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's the one missing, but yeah, that is the most one of the time. Thing it seems like we've had to pick rim protection or shooting, especially if we're looking for a young guy. Yeah. You know, I, man, I, I'm just going to like, just let it fly. And I, I think that I would make that trade. I think that I would make that trade. Would. Okay. I'm in the same boat as you actually. And how I, do you think yeah. it fares for the Rockets? Uh, I poorly, uh, I think that you got Chris Paul and bogey. And they both got some lower body, lower, lower body injury issues. Uh, Gordon is getting up there. You know, they just said, screw a center. We're just going to put everybody at the three-point line and let James Harden dribble. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I think that Clint Cabello is probably pretty crucial to their defense, even yeah, even if I he agree. gets played off the floor. Uh, but, yeah, I, he's the type of guy I would take. There, There was a few names that – I was going to throw out in a previous episode we didn't get around to, but what about guys like uh, – we talked about Steven Adams, I think, maybe very briefly at one yeah, point. I'm not sure if it was on. Was yeah, okay. So he's got a similar contract, right? I think it's $25 million. Capella makes 18 so so a little bit more there. But similar players. I mean, you know, strong, don't shoot, but they're very – very traditional like they're very good at being a traditional center i mean yeah. any interest there in steven adams it's less uh mainly just because he doesn't keep up with the pace as well but he still does 
in a very nice way, and he probably is a better rebounder than Capella. So I, I do. I have pretty close to the same interest in Steven Adams there, and I think that one's more realistic because I think that OKC really desperately needs that shooting and yeah. need to change something there. Maybe Capella is that. That's kind of what I felt like. If you're going to switch something, it's not PG. It's not Russell Westbrook. The And I think Jeremy Grant is great there. The only other piece that has value to them is this Steven Adams. So I, 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 don't, like, I don't think Capella is on the table like we said. I, I would have to consider more on this on this Steven Adams one and really watch more film on how he deals with the pace. But from what I've seen, I think I'd be happy with it. And the contract doesn't matter that much to me because the Kings do have that space and this just fills that hole so much. Right. Yeah. I mean, man, that'd be interesting. What if, I mean, what if the Thunder were interested in Kali Stein and they asked for, Kali Stein sure. in a sign and sign and trade with with Bogey. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean yeah. I guess at this point we you that and I difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and I guess there would salary matching wouldn't really be an issue since the Kings have the space, but uh assuming they wanted to use that space for other free agents, I I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter at that point. But you can Yeah, I, I mean I guess I guess the Thunder could save some money as well. I know Tim has been out there. Uh, Tim Maxwell, friend of the podcast, has been out there uh, throwing around the idea of, of getting their uh, pick, uh, 21st pick overall, first round pick in this draft. Did you see any of that? I believe that I did. He's been throwing around a lot of really in-depth, good hypotheticals. He is the master of the yeah. fake trade. Uh, but I, I think I can, I can tell you, recite from memory here what it was. It was Patrick Patterson and and uh, Dennis Schroeder for oh, and twenty yes. and oh this. God, I knew you were gonna like Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I knew you were gonna like Dennis of course, Schroeder. Of course, does he shoot? Does he does he shoot below fifty percent true shooting? Does he does he shoot less than forty percent from the field? Brennan is on. Does board he play here. great defense? No, he yes. doesn't, bro. Schroeder? You've watched Dennis Schroeder play? Yes. Okay, it's not it's not great. You're right. Great is an overstatement, but he's a hustle guy. Does he have over 30% usage and just drag his team to the depths of hell okay, every time on, he has the ball? Who else is the bench of OKC, though? Like He had that in Atlanta, and they were trash. on the Atlanta team, though? He, that team, that team was really good. It went well, deep no, in the like playoffs. At first, yes, but then once he was running that team, like there was nobody. I don't yeah, know. exactly. You're so right. I'm not, but okay. So what were we giving up? It was Bielitsa was in there, I believe, right? Um. Okay. Yeah. The deal was Bielitsa and Yogi for Schroeder and Patterson and 21. And I, I think that the Kings could, you know, throw in pick 44 or what, whatever if they needed to. You know, little. But that's the point. The money works. Patterson, uh, Patterson and Schroeder, uh, and 21 for Bielitsa and Yogi. And the, that would save the Thunder 45 million in their tax bill as far as with all the multipliers and how it stacks and all that. So that's incentive enough for them to give up the pick 21, but also the Kings would have to absorb about 15 million in salary and they'd have then a shooter on their team, which means that they immediately would be bad, 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 very bad. Dude, I mean, 
Schroeder shoots 34% from deep. Not amazing. But like, yeah, that's not great. He shot 29% the year before that. Yeah, but I mean, 34 the year before, 32, 35. What in, these aren't good numbers. <laughs> no, they're not. But like, he's capable. I mean, but what we're giving up and the cap space to me isn't, isn't a terrible thing to give up either here. I just don't feel like we're losing that much in this situation. And you're right. I obviously am higher on Schroeder than you are. And he's got two more years at 15 and a half million a piece. You don't think that they could go out into the free agent market and get better for 15 and a half million. And they'd have another 13 and a half million if they didn't do this trade as a backup point guard. No, you don't. I, think I, I don't. Well, Beverly is clearly better, but I don't, I, I don't think that Beverly ends up happening. Um, and then after that, it falls off like crazy. I mean, Shooter I, is really bad at basketball. I'm just gonna, oh I'm just gonna God. say that, like straight up. Here. All right, straight Austin up. Rivers, Josh Jackson. You know, this is a really bad list when I say it out loud. Yeah, no, say it out loud. No, but the Schroeder is different. Schroeder's on a different level than those for me. I do really like Schroeder. Yeah, he's not good, man. I don't know what to tell you. This is interesting. You know, we're gonna get. We're. I'm gonna get a Thunder beat writer to come on here pretty soon and we're going to break down Schroeder. I, I need to watch a little bit more film on this guy, obviously. I'm going to, I'm just going to be straight up with you. It sounds like you're about to drop Kobe is the greatest dude. His, his advanced stuff is terrible. You want to guess what his value over replacement player was this year? I don't negative 0.6. Ooh. He He's not good. The net rating stuff kills him. And and the Thunder had to go away from him. You act like, oh, no, he's a backup. No, like, that's not the way that it played. Like, they had to keep him on the floor. They had to keep Russell uh, Westbrook on the floor or Paul George on the floor. Like, they couldn't stagger. Like, they had yeah. to be like, all right, who's our good players? Shooter's going to play with them. Anybody else. Like, that OKC roster was pretty poorly constructed. No, th- that wasn't the point. Like, they brought in Shooter to, to be able to, like, sta- to stagger against him. Like, to be, able, to be able to run the court and not have, like, a terrible – not to be siphoning off points every time that he was the best player on the court. They wanted to keep Russell and Paul George together at times. That's what they did at the beginning of the season. And then they were just getting murdered whenever yeah. he was the only guy. But, but murdered. But him with Abdel Nader or Nerlens Noel. Like, I mean, I just – I get what you're saying. He he wasn't great, but I don't feel like he's been put in good situations either. The Atlanta one at the beginning of his career, I get, but he wasn't getting crazy minutes at the start. And then for the majority of the time, he was a number one option in Atlanta. And that just, he's not a number one option guy. I just. I he's know. one of the most damaging players on the, in the NBA. He's one of the worst players you can have on an NBA roster because his usage over the past Whatever, 27%, 28.8%, 27.8%, 30 usage. It He dominates the ball and he takes bad shots. This is, if you want to talk about any form of analytics, any form of what makes a basketball team work, it's efficiency compared to volume. So this guy makes, if you are a less than average efficient shooter, you need to take few shots. You cannot take a lot of your team's shots if you're going to be hitting them at poor efficiency. He has some of the worst efficiency in the game, and he takes some of the most, the the higher frequency of shots in the game. He, his volume is extremely high. His efficiency is extremely low. That is the straight-up definition of a bad NBA player. 
you know, you're fair with this. You know, looking at the numbers, his rim finishing is terrible. But I just, I, I didn't, I wasn't fully prepped on Dennis Schroeder going into this, okay? So I do like the guy from what I've seen. I haven't seen a crazy amount of minutes. But I, I just, let me come back to you next episode with a little bit more research here. And I, I get what you're saying, the numbers. I am more of an eye test guy from what I see in the games. Obviously, the numbers matter. I'm not trying to say that. But I feel like he has an impact when he's on the floor. Like, that really matters to me. And not, he not does a have terribly an negative impact. I know what you're going to yeah, say. Exactly. I know. But that's the problem with the eye test. And I mean, you know, we all fall prey to this. But if it's not our team, like if we're not watching this guy, you know, 50, 60, 70 games a year, the eye test is really misleading because you're most likely to see highlights of him yeah. or you're, you're most likely to notice him when he's doing something good yeah, I get or, that. or you just hear his name a lot and see him taking a lot of shots. He's going to make a lot of shots because he's taking a lot of shots. That's the way it goes. Right. But I, I would deign to say that of all players in the league that take, took 14 shots on average per game, he was probably the worst, the worst player out there. Yeah, I mean, we don't need him taking 14 a game. But it just, doesn't, like, you can't stop him from taking 14. Like, you can't stop him from doing that. Like, he, you he, you would hate him on this team because he would dominate the team. He wouldn't let anyone else shoot. I really believe this. That's I'm going to go down okay. swinging on the hill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do more research on this and come back to you. I'm going to cross-reference with some beat reporters on the Thunder. I remember hearing a lot of good things about Schroeder. They definitely died down. And like you're saying, what you're saying is totally accurate. That when you're not watching every game, you only focus on the good things for the most part. But I do my research. I've, I've done my reading. I've paid attention to the Thunder doing terrible because they're one of my four least favorite teams in this league. I, I'm, I'm going to come back to you with this, okay? All right, fair enough. So we're running a little long here. I have, unless you have another Kings hypothetical, I have one other one that isn't Kings related specifically, but I feel like it's pretty locked that this guy gets moved after the way the lottery panned out. Um, No, I'm good. Let's let's do it. The Grizzlies landed number two. John Morant is fairly clearly the second best talent. If not, it's RJ Barrett. They're both guys that like the ball in their hand. I think this is lining up for Conley to be moved. To me, it's Indiana and Obviously, the tricky thing is here is that at one point when he signed his contract, he was getting the most money out of any player in the league. Uh, to me, I think that Indiana was thrown in there a lot. We saw Utah as well. And then, of course, there's always Phoenix and they get thrown in there a lot. I don't see him fitting with Phoenix timeline. To me, it's Indiana. He's from Indiana. They really need that number two option that I think Conley is still capable of being as long as he stays healthy which is a big asterisk. Do you do you see Indiana taking a risk on Conley here? Because he's not going to cost all that much. A minus, well, obviously the cost is taken on his contract. I like that. I I like that a lot. I, I think that uh, it's time for the Grizzlies to go full tank probably um, and protect, get in that top six if they can next season to keep that pick one more year. Although I don't know. I it's confusing to me how that stuff works with Memphis because it's kind of like obviously moving up to two was massive. So but I, I don't know if they would have rather have kept the eighth pick or moved 
down to nine where they gave it up and then not had to worry about that pick leaving in the next few years because there's a scenario where it goes unprotected like we had mentioned with oh man they yeah so there's a scenario where um you know it goes it goes number one overall and then that goes to boston so i i don't know exactly how to walk that line of do they are they desperately trying to get one more uh great young prospect to pair with you know jj uh jaron jackson jr and john morant potentially or do they want to keep conley let him have like a, a victory tour and and cough up like the ninth pick and then not have to stress about if they're if they're no good the following year and and not have you know what i mean yeah i i think at this point you got to throw it in that you know next year it is top six protected like you're talking about i think that there's a good chance that you're still getting that pick and at this point you know it i, I just don't see the point of holding on to Connolly. you're going to stunt the growth of i think john morant is clearly the number two here i think that he's a great point guard and you need to just fit him there with Jaron Jackson, like you talked about. They're going to have a really nice defense. I think Kyle Anderson is nice as well, that they have on a decent deal for three more years, I believe it is. And Indiana can use this point guard. So what about uh, keeping Conley around until the trade deadline, letting him kind of teach Morant? Is that something that you could see them doing? I could, but... Hmm. Just yeah. because there's not like urgency necessarily. If if you're not trying to, if you don't really care how the season goes, and you're not like aiming to make the playoffs, you feel like that's out of the realm of possibilities, and you're also not necessarily trying to tank day one. Eh, you know. Yeah. But then, do you? There's a risk that he gets injured again, and then his value is then nobody wants him at all. That's a very good point. So I don't know, and then I mean. Do do the Grizzlies? I mean, or I guess like do the Suns, who I really wanted to land Morant. I thought it'd be perfect there. Do they? I mean, are they crazy enough to think that this is the last piece that will offer that? Will offer the number six pick and our number one next year? You know, and then is Grizzlies okay because they do like Conley? I, I feel like the Grizzlies really do need to move on at this point, though. So what's the trade uh, to to Indiana? Uh, it, what what do you think that the uh, what's the Pacers side of that look like? Yeah, so the cap confused me a little bit. We were kind of talking about this, but I believe that they're going to have a good amount of cap space here available. Yeah, so actually, it is forty eight million about that they will have, but they have a lot of holes that they're still going to need to feel fill. And Conley's contract is looking at $30 million on the year, which is insane. But, I mean, are you willing to throw Doug McDermott in there? That's a $7 million contract, a decent small forward. But he's a three-year. I feel like he fits. I mean, do you feel like, I guess, to figure out what I'm offering, do you feel like that Memphis thinks they need to get something back of value as say a young player or is getting off the contract enough oh they're expecting a first round pick like unquestionably i believe they were offered a first round pick Um, utah they were yeah and they wanted a second one or uh maybe i think the breaking point may have even been axum uh it was something like that they wanted a you know they want a package of prospects 
uh, and, and a first round pick could be protected. I so I mean, what what about um, T.J. Leaf? What about Aaron Holiday? What about Aaron Holiday for that Mike? Con- but if you're getting John Morant, then how interested are you in Aaron Holiday? I mean, Holiday is probably not projecting to be like a superstar. Certainly not yeah. a guy that's, um, you know, gonna gonna be a number two number two overall pick. He was picked twenty third last year. I think that he's a hmm. decent option there. Do you think that Indiana considers Sabonis because? They can't seem to place a bonus and Turner together, and it seems like it's inevitable they're going to have to decide between the two here. Man, that is a really interesting hypothetical. Man. I didn't want to say it at first because I felt like that they wouldn't have to give that value to take on the contract. That's a lot. I mean, if they'd prefer to keep their first-round picks, you you could offer Sabonis, and I think that'd be a done deal. Yeah, uh, Memphis yeah. would definitely keep Sabonis. I mean, would take Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis is a starting is a starting caliber guy in this league. Eventually, if he's not right now, I mean, six man of the year candidate this year. I don't think he's going to be happy staying in that role. I mean, what's the yeah? What's the fit for Sabonis and and Jaron Jackson Jr. You think? I feel like they both can play the four and the five, right? Yeah, that'd be that'd be a pretty devastating. Yeah, I mean, combo. passing between those two also. It's pretty big. I yeah. I mean, I think you just take whatever you can get. Um, I think there's you could probably do. What, where did they pick land this year? Um, in the twenties, somewhere. So I think you could offer maybe holiday and pick uh, eighteen. Yeah. It, it was so that's a decent uh decent package right there. Something like that. Or yeah, I mean, get into some bonus territory. Why not? Yeah. But that was the last hypothetical I had for you. I think that one is kind of inevitable. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see how everything changes, just getting into reading everything. And I'm going to do a lot of research on these young guys, actually, because this lottery does interest me so much. Um, Is there anything else that you want to touch on, man? That's pretty much it. I guess the last takeaway I have to bring it back to a king's perspective is that Zion's going to be in the West, right? And then also pick twos in the West and pick fours in the West. I mean, three teams in the West moved up at least six slots. That is rough stuff. Knicks moved down two. Cavs moved down two. Eastern teams dropped. Bulls dropped. Hawks dropped. Both their picks dropped. Wizards dropped. So... I mean, and, and remember that the Western Conference got all four of the top four picks in last year's draft, too. So, yeah. I mean, this competition here is just not getting any easier. And, man, it's tough. It's really, really tough. Like, we're going to have to count on a lot of growth going forward and some really nice uh, moves in free agency if the Kings are, are going to be scratching their way into the eighth seed. And, and it, it sucks because, you know, there's been such a big improvement, and it still feels like the odds are stacked against the Kings. But, but I'll say I believe uh, the chances are out there, and they can. They just gotta, just gotta focus that much more. I guess trying to be a little optimistic, one semi-positive, a team that they, that I believe ended up finishing tenth behind the Kings was the Timberwolves, and they didn't jump up at all. I mean, they de- desperately needed that point guard. They 
fell down a spot with the Lakers jumping up and everything. So I guess that's a positive in a way. At least it's not a negative. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, I guess the, the Suns moved down too, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately for, for three teams that finished below them to, to jump up like to the top four, that's, that's rough. Yeah, it hurts. And now, I mean, like we talked about, I'm pretty confident in saying that AD is going to be on the Lakers. That puts them as a playoff lock for me. I mean, yeah. there's obviously injuries, but even actually interesting looking at AD's injury history, it's not as bad as I thought it was. And it seems that the narrative seems to be, it's just a little bit of ticky tackies here and there, but he hasn't missed much time throughout most of the years. So the Lakers are likely in there. And I mean, who are the Kings really taking a spot from? It's going to be hard, man. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to be hard. It'll probably be a couple more years. Yeah. To be honest with you. Sad, sad, but that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And this one did have a little bit of a delay on it. Apologies for that release wise, but we will have another one for you fairly soon here. And then we also are wrapping up our giveaway here that I believe we are going to be giving out within the next couple of days here. So if you haven't gotten in on that, that is pinged, that is pinned to the top of the King's Pulse, King's underscore Pulse on Twitter page and all you got to do is retweet follow the page and comment your favorite episode be sure to get in on get in on that goodie bag and we will announce the winner very soon here likely on the next podcast but that is going to be it for this episode thank you to everybody for listening to the king's pulse podcast and you will hear from us again soon Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.